Well, good morning, mamas. It is a chilly Saturday morning here in Tennessee, and I am excited to record this episode today. It's been a couple of weeks. We actually were out of town for Easter, so I hope you had a wonderful um, Easter if you celebrate in Resurrection Sunday. I'm super, super thankful um, for my faith. And uh, then my husband and I were able to take a trip to Cabo, uh, Mexico, with a group of health coaches and just had an incredible time being able to kind of rest and rejuvenate a little bit. So, um, but I am excited to get back to um, weekly podcast episodes as I kind of move into a little more stable routine. And this morning, I am talking to my friend Kelly Skinner. Uh, Kelly and I are sorority sisters uh, as alums. We met after I graduated from college and we both worked on staff for a while and um, have been volunteers together in a number of different things. And Kelly has started her own business uh, and has done just an incredible Uh, an incredible amount of work over the past couple of years on herself and her mental journey and all of that. And so I am really excited for her to share with us today. So let's dive in. And I, as always, thank you for spending some time with me today on the Memoirs from the Minivan Podcast. Well, good morning, Kelly. Happy Saturday. How are you? Hi, Nadia. Um, I, you know, I'm doing well. Uh, it's just a busy Saturday. I did. I don't think I remember that weekends are supposed to be this busy. Right. And uh, I have, it's Saturday, and I have things back-to-back pretty much mm-hmm. all morning into early afternoon. Yep. And I, I kind of don't like that. I know. I hear you. I hear you. Well, you sound like you have plenty of energy to tackle the day, so that's good. <laughs> I do, and I haven't even had coffee this morning yet because I'm going to have brunch with a friend later on. But, yeah, I think um, definitely getting enough sleep and uh-huh. um, having a, a planned-out schedule actually helps when you do have crazy days. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have learned, of course, you know, I've been on a health journey the past year and I always would, would like let my sleep lapse. That was like where I could shave off time. I'm like, well, I'll just sleep less, you know, uh, not smart word to the wise folks, get your sleep. If you can get a full eight hours, uh, that's what you need. And you will be better productive during the day and be able to handle more because you are a rested human. And that is a good thing. Yeah. And it makes such a difference. It does. Uh, it, it totally, uh, that was one of the things that has actually changed my life and given me a lot more energy to tackle the things that are important to me was because I do make sure that I get, I probably get seven hours of sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but also on the weekends, I wake up at the same time as I, as I wake up during the week. Yeah. And that's amazing too. Yeah. I love that. Hopefully that means your body is rested and it's like, okay, Kelly, we're good. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Let's going. do this. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, before we dive into talking about all the things today, um, thanks for joining me. Super excited to chat with you. So Kelly and I know each other through Alpha Sigma Alpha. We both worked at headquarters at different periods of time, and then have stayed connected as national volunteers now for a few years. We'll just say a few yes. years. It'll, that'll be just fine. So tell people a little bit about you and who you are and your family and what you do. 
Sure. So um, I live here in East Central Illinois, right by where the University of Illinois is. I've been here for almost 15 years now. Um, I grew up in the Philadelphia area and kind of made my way Midwest through a series of education and jobs. And I have discovered that I'm a Midwest girl by heart. Um, I am on my second marriage, um, and I have five kids in a blended family. Mm. So my youngest is 17. He just turned 17 in March, and my oldest is 24, and uh, I have four boys and a girl. Um, and I also have a 180-pound black mastiff. Oh, my so, word. Um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're pretty full house, although we only just have two of them living at home now. Okay. Um, my my um my husband Sean is a teacher and a football coach, and I am a woman business owner. Uh, I opened my own business um, back in the fall of 2019. So just over a year, although I kind of don't count uh, last year because it it um really was a weird year for for me and everybody else I think in the whole world um yeah so that's a little bit about me uh one of the things that you a couple things that I keep in my bio is um my favorite color is green I'm an aspirational cookbook collector and avid bullet journaler um which is my external brain and I identify as an Enneagram 8 Got you. Got you. So you're like my sister, you Enneagram haters. You are outspoken and confident in your opinions. And I have learned to love that about her. Although as sisters, sometimes I'm like, can you just calm down a little bit? Just calm down. Yeah. But then, you know, I'm over here as the Enneagram one and I'm like, um, can we just follow the rules? Like why, you know? So it's funny. I love learning about that stuff because I think it's so insightful as to how we tick and what makes us kind of, you know, passionate or disconnected, how we interact with people, with our spouses, all of those things. But tell me about this. um, I learned so much about myself when I discovered that, and it really has given me language Uh to lean into about um, my inner workings and what motivates me, what, um, how I'm driven sometimes by my fears and I don't even know it and how I show up in the world. So, so I feel like that, um, tool has been invaluable in my growth and personal development. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Tell me about bullet journaling. I don't know that I've ever heard that terminology before. What does that mean? Oh, okay. So, um, bullet journaling or, um, as the people who are in the in group, I don't like this term, but they call it Bujo, B-U-J-O. It is a notebook um, system of planning and record keeping and note taking. And there's people who do it super artistically and creatively. I'm more of a minimalist. Um, I've been doing it for about five years 
And what the beauty of it is, is that you get to almost create your own planner. Mm. And I used to go through these phases where I would buy these beautiful planners that were all printed up and, and then I would get into it for a a little bit and then, you know, life would get busy and I would stop or I would change the way that I was planning my day or or writing things down. And then I would feel guilty because I would have all these blank pages So through this notebook system, um, it's been really nice because it's flexible. I can change it. I can, um, I can take time off if I have a couple of busy days and then return to it and just turn to the next empty page. I can plan ahead. I can keep all my thoughts there. I have running lists of books that I want to read and recipes that I want to try, but I also use it to track my goals, um, People use it to track habits. Mm. Um, I've done different planning and productivity methodologies. It's just, it's just a really nice, um, it's a nice system. There's a, the man who created it, his name is Ryder Carroll. And so he has a YouTube video that you can look up for beginner things. Um, And if you do get into it on like YouTube or Instagram, like I said, there's a lot of people who do it very, very creatively, and people cool. get a little bit intimidated by that. <laughs> sure. Say, well, I'm not creative, or I don't have time to do that, and and that's true for me, um, so you don't have to do it that way. You can do it very minimalistic, and you yeah. don't have to have special pens, and you don't have to have special whatever, talent, but um, it's a really nice way to kind of capture all my thoughts and yeah. Not have them spinning around in my head all the time. I love that. You said, like, you spoke my language when you're, like, a very organized, task-oriented system. (laughs) The Enneagram one in me goes, oh, hello. I connect with that so much. Yeah, I think it's funny, you know, as I'm listening to you talk and and you talk about following someone or seeing how other people do it. And immediately we go to comparison, right? Because I can't do it like them, therefore I'm not good at it or I can't do this. And, you know, I just always like to remind the mamas listening, like, just do it the way that works for you, right? Find what you can lean into, find what makes you feel better, more successful, more organized, more efficient, more joyful, all those things, and just do it that way. And don't worry about the mama who's using 11 different colored gel pens. It's fine, right? Yes. And the first year that I did it, I actually got a $2 composition grid composition notebook from Walmart and a ballpoint pen. There you go. And I just did it in that. And I gave myself permission to be small. Yeah. Um, so I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> and um, I I often have to remind myself that small is okay. Yes. It doesn't have to be all the things. And I don't need to compare myself. And it, it's okay if it's not. Hundred percent, yeah, or even ninety percent, or seventy-five percent. Sometimes, yes, I love that. I love that. I um got a new journal this year. It's called the Dream Planner. Um, it's by a company called Horatio Printing. Uh, I am also one of those buy the pretty planner people, but I really find that to work for me. I really enjoy them. I use all the things, uh, the habit trackers and the templates and all the things. But that's the Enneagram one in me, right? Like being yeah. using all the lists, I'm checking. Yeah, yeah, checking all the boxes. Like someone's gonna grade it. You hit the nail on the head, a hundred percent. (laughs) 
Um, but there is this wheel in there when I first started the planner um, where we sort of rank ourselves on these like six different areas of where we are. And you know, we're, those aren't always all going to be like what you said, perfect, right? Some of them are going to be at 60% and some of them are going to be at 95% and that is perfectly okay. That just shows where we're growing. So, um, well, I wanted to get into talking about uh, the big change that happened for you in 2019, and that was that you started your own business and you left um, a position with U of I. And so I wanted to just talk about what started you thinking that you wanted to do that and kind of what that journey has looked like. Yeah, so that was a huge, huge change for me. And um, so I've actually had a couple of really big changes in my life, and um, I mark that the journey of starting soul care as the beginning of my life 3.0. I marked my life 2.0. My first husband passed away Mm -hmm. um, when I was in my early thirties. Wow. And uh, going through that experience and coming out on the other side and rebuilding uh, for me, that was life 2.0. Sure. And then going through, my experience with led up to soul care was, uh, like I said, the beginning of my journey of life 3.0. I actually have, um, two tattoos. So I have a Phoenix tattoo from, um, the life 2.0. And I just got this, uh, dragonfly tattoo back in October for life 3.0. To I commemorate love those that. Things. Mm-hmm. So, um, For me, I've been somebody who, uh, so I have a a master's in student affairs, higher ed administration. Um, I also have a background in communications and marketing. Um, And in a lot of ways, when I was in college, I say I majored in um, student involvement and leadership. And so I went to grad school for student affairs so that I could do those things. And uh, I worked in the university environment right after grad school. And then, um, like Nadia said, I I worked for Alpha Sigma Alpha, um, which is a women's leadership organization, and was able to apply a lot of my skills. Um, Then I moved into working for nonprofit associations in the Indianapolis area and really enjoyed broadening out. When I ended up moving to um, Illinois, I kept my job in Indianapolis for a few years and worked, kind of had this hybrid work at home thing where I would work in Indianapolis a couple days a week and work at home a couple days a week. And while that was a great uh, opportunity, it presented a lot of challenges because It didn't necessarily feel like I fit into either world. Sure. And so I ended up taking a job uh, with the healthcare system doing um, internal communications. And I really, really liked that and brought a lot of skills to that. Um, And in a lot of ways, working with adults in this system was like working with college students in, Mm -hmm. in many, many ways. And so I was able to really find a lot of satisfaction at first. Um, and through the course of working there, uh, I felt like I wanted to advance and, and do some things that, um, 
as I was growing and learning and developing and bringing new things, I felt a little bit stagnant in that I couldn't advance. Sure. And so I decided to, um, you know, in my town, the three biggest employers are the healthcare system, the university, and craft of all things. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I actually applied to the university, and I was really pleased to be able to get a job in university housing doing communications, and I felt like it was a great um, combination of my student affairs skills and my communication skills. Um, and when I had actually applied for the job, I was uh, looking to, well, I took this job, and then in the, in the middle of the interview process, the woman who was going to be my supervisor uh, took a, a promotion in a different department. Mm. And so they told me that, um, you know, I could continue through the job um, interview process or I could drop out and wait for her job to be posted. And really, I was more qualified for the supervisory position. Sure. And after talking with uh, the, the head of the search committee, um, I decided to stay because we both uh, kind of thought that it would be better to be in this position. And then, you know, they could, it could take a year before they posted the supervisory position. And that way I would have made relationships and, and done those things. So making a long story short, um, they posted the position. I applied for it and I, uh, the first time around, they um, canceled the search in the middle of it. And then the second time around, I didn't end up getting the position. Mm -hmm. And it was really um, challenging for sure. me at that time. And I felt very um, unseen mm -hmm. and um, that I had not done a good job about communicating the depth of different things of my personality, my passions, and my skills. Sure. And as I was examining that, I think that was a kind of a diving off point into um, a midlife crisis. Yeah. And I ended up going to a therapist and a life coach and really started digging, excavating is the word that I use. I love that. Um, I just don't feel like I am, I feel like I'm just going through the motions. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not, um, who I am on the inside is not being reflected to other people and nobody's being able to see who I am on the inside. Mm. I feel like I'm not, um... I have no purpose, no, um, you know, no drive <clears throat> and no even deep self-awareness. And so I went through those, um, worked with those professionals for almost two years in doing that excavation sure. and really trying to dig into who I am, what's my purpose. Why am I here? What am I passionate about? How can I serve the world? How mm -hmm. can I serve myself? Mm -hmm. um, how do I um, be the authentic person that I'm meant to be? Yeah. And through that journey, um, 
you know, I started, I've, I've, I've always been a big reader, but I was reading a lot of self-development books. I was learning a lot. I was digging a little bit more into my spirituality and wrestling with that. I was digging into my, my marriage, my friendships. Sure. I, I was just wrestling with all the things. And I was listening to this podcast that I had um, learned about. It was a minister out in the Twin Cities called This Good Word. Mm. And he interviewed this woman who had a retreat center um, in her home. And she talked about her experience. And something really lit up inside of me. Mm. And, you know, I, I talked about it for multiple weeks after the episode. And I talked about it with my, my coach, with my spiritual director, with different things. And there was... Um, I was, I was, it was suggested that I call her. So I ended up calling the lady from the podcast and had a conversation with her about what she, you know, how she had gotten started, what she liked about it, what she didn't like about it. She shared her story with me and it ended up the things that she liked about what she was doing. I liked, Mm -hmm. and the things that she didn't like about what she was doing. I also liked and so I think the pl- the seed was planted that maybe this is the direction that I needed to go in. Sure. But I was also kind of saying, well, I don't have a, I don't have a, a, a master's in ministry. I don't have a ministry degree. I'm not a pastor. Mm-hmm. I'm not even a spiritual director. Who am I to do something like this? Sure. So I really wrestled with it and thought about it and, um, prayed about it and I went on a five-day silent retreat by myself Mm. and a lot of things kind of coalesced for me over that time Um, I have a real passion for social justice I have a passion for um, community building community and helping people feel accepted I have um, a ton of things that I've learned about myself over the years and tools that I don't think a lot of people have. Sure. Um, I have a lot of skills in um, kind of organization, like building an organization, how how an organization runs uh, in operations, mm-hmm. um, finance, marketing, structure, governance, uh, strategic planning um, that I had gained through all my past work experiences. Yeah. Um, and so all these things kind of coalesced into, um, what I want to do. Oh, and the other big, big thing thought that I kept having was there's a ton of people who are on either personal development journeys or spiritual exploration journeys, Mm -hmm. or, you know, like what you're doing, talking with moms who are trying to just do the best job that they can. Yeah. And everybody's just a little bit worn out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's just a little bit um, guarded. Everybody's a little bit um, un, un, they're not themselves. Yeah. And they also feel lonely and disconnected. Mm-hmm. And so um, the idea that coalesced for me was that I wanted to start a retreat center. Um, but I, what I wanted to do was not start a retreat center in the middle of the country where typical retreat centers are I wanted to put one in the middle of everything Mm -hmm. so that it was really accessible and I wanted to really create this 
container and platform for lots of different things to be happening and really be at the center um, serving and supporting people. Um, and so the idea and that almost the permission for me came when I was on the uh, retreat and I was in this glade um, outside of my porch and it was kind of like a little clearing that was um, surrounded by trees and bushes and plants and everything. And I saw this squirrel that was going around uh, digging seeds and acorns up and then um, planting them. And I realized that the squirrels and the birds and, and all these things had been the ones that had contributed to this thriving, diverse mm. um, circle of plants. And that that's what my role was. My role was the squirrel in helping gather and collect and plant the seeds so that beautiful things could grow. Kelly, so um, good. I love that. Yeah. So that's that's what soul care is. It's it's um it's almost it's like sixteen hundred square feet. I have um a room where partners can come in and, and do like massage appointments or reading appointments or Reiki or spiritual direction. I have a multi-purpose room where we present workshops on all different kinds of topics related to spirituality, but my view of spirituality and faith is pretty big. Um, and we do classes like yoga and, um, meditation and mindfulness. Mm. And then I also have these like mini retreat pods where people can come in just for an hour if they want to and, um, have some peace and stillness and they can read or journal or color or just sit there or pray. They can nap, um, and then I'll also do guided, like small individual guided retreats for two hours or half day or six hours or small group retreats like mom's groups will come in um, and I'll do like a small group retreat for them. That's a day, like, you know, four or five, six hours. Mm -hmm. Or I'll have companies come in and nonprofits and facilitate a whole weekend board meeting for them because mm -hmm. um, I have all those skills. And... Um, or I'll have, you know, I've made connections with lots of people in the area. Um, so we're, I'm, I'm working with this wonderful woman who is doing a yoga and mindful class just for black women um, because they have some special needs to have their own container and environment for that time period. Mm -hmm. So um, the center is very social justice oriented. One of our core values is that everybody is welcome and there's a seat at a table at the table for everyone. Love that. Um, because people who have different identities may have been felt marginalized or cast out from their spiritual communities of, of birth or of their childhood. And also people who are seeking or who have questions or who kind of want to grow in their spirituality or in their own tradition even, um, some places reject questioning. Sure. Um, and some places also, um, even if it's a great accepting community, uh, some places make people feel like they need to change to be, to fit in and feel accepted. Mm -hmm. And so I want to have a place of belonging where, um, kind of everything goes. Yeah. 
Well, listening to your story is really powerful because, you know, it's easy to like look at someone's, you know, chapter 25, right? And just be like, that is so cool that you run this retreat center and all these things and you're a women business owner and I could never do something like that. And as I'm listening to your story, I just hear the journey, right? Like I did this and then I did this and then I was disappointed here and this caused me to rethink this and I wasn't sure and I reached out scared and I moved forward, you know, all those things. And I think it's easy for us to just see the end result or the result, you know, that's further into the process and think we could never do something like that or I would never be able to do that. And just remember that like, it's always a journey. We just don't get privy uh, of seeing something some of the hard stuff. And then I love what you said about just the vision, you know, that you were given with the squirrel and how it's digging up all this stuff and replanting these seeds and stuff. And I just loved that visual because I feel like that's kind of what we have to do sometimes is excavate, dig up the stuff and plant it elsewhere, you know? And so I just, I love that visual. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I went to this conference a couple years ago called Evolving Faith. And uh, there was this um, a speaker there, his name is Jeff Chu, and he had this wonderful metaphor that I keep, um, I return to again and again, and he talked about the compost pile and taking all your hurts and disappointments and your fears and your struggles and laying them on the compost pile and letting them dissolve and decompose And then you have this fresh new soil that you Mm. can then plant something else in. But you wouldn't have that if you didn't have the struggles. So good. So good. I love metaphors and I love visuals like that because it helps me. You know, it's easy to say, well, just put it to rest. Just put those hangups to rest and just move on and let them produce something good. And you're like, how the heck do I do that? You know, but when you have a visual like that, you're like, oh, like that makes sense. I have to do the work of putting it on there. I have to do the work of waiting patiently for sort of it to dissolve. And that may include therapy and forgiveness and all these different things but then ultimately I can use that to plant something good I just love that visual that's so great well tell us a little bit about how it's been to work for yourself right like I love women-owned businesses and women in leadership and so how has that been for you versus you know spending all of your life up to that point you know having some type of employer Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first of all, I'm, I've, I've always been a pretty self-motivated and driven person um, and have had a lot of big ideas and have had um, the moxie to be able to go after those big ideas. For me, the challenge is continuing to stay motivated to continue to um, stay on track and see something through to the end instead mm-hmm. of being distracted by the next big idea. Sure. To um, really hone down and prioritize um, what what's going to get me the biggest um, impact 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so having to decide between all these great big ideas and only choose to focus on one of them, um, to be realistic with the time and effort and energy that I have available to mm-hmm. work on things. Mm-hmm. Um, I've learned that I have to be comfortable asking for help. Sure. And um, also enrolling people in the vision that I have and inviting me, inviting them along on the journey with me. Um, that was a, a, a definitely an area of discomfort for me. Enrolling people um, in the vision. Tell, tell me yeah. what that means. So um, not just... So I had a very great conversation with somebody that I met yesterday. I have a, um, I have a membership component of my business, um, and it's called Kindred Souls. And I haven't quite launched it yet. And I think some of it is fear and procrastination. Um, and I, so I invited a friend in who I thought would be interested. And I said, you know, I'm not trying to sell you on anything yet i don't even have this program completed but i i just want to kind of hear about your journey and what some of your challenges have been and what you're looking for and then i want to see if what i'm thinking might serve you Hmm. in providing the things that you're looking for and so i had a conversation and it was really Instead of in the past, I would have kind of said, oh, here's this great thing that I have. Let me tell you all about it. Mm-hmm. I kind of um, let it be about her and let her guide the conversation. And then if it made sense, then I would be like, well, this is this is what I have. And this is how it might serve you. Do you think that that resonates with you? Um and she ended up, she's like, well, I know you don't have it yet, but can I join now? Mm, I love it. <laughs> um, and so for me, when I, when I think about having enrollment conversations, it's about coming at things with a heart of service, yep. Yep. coming at things with a heart of, um, you know, I want to connect with you on a person to person level. I want to know what your um, what's happening and where, what value you're trying to get in your life. And then I might, I may or may not share if, if, if what I have resonates and can serve them. Sure. Um, I've also really gotten better about, um, like responding when people say like, how can I support you? Or what do you need from me? Mm. I used to kind of like, let that roll off of me. And now I take a minute and I actually go like I go inward where I go when I meditate and I check in with my gut. And I really kind of like sit with that question for a moment and I tell them how they can support me. Hmm. And so it might be like, I really need you to send me a, 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 a mean text in two days because I know I'm going to have a busy day and I could just use some cheering up or 
would you check in with me? I have this like deadline that I've set for myself. And would you check in with me to make sure that I'm on point with it? Mm. Or um, would you pray for me? Would you tell a friend about the conversation that we had? I mean, I, I just check in with myself in the moment and honor myself and honor their request with mm. actually telling them how they can support me. Yeah. Wow. That's really powerful. I think, you know, all the working moms I talk to, and I use the term working, uh, you know, when I first started the podcast, I very much thought that the podcast would be for working moms, meaning moms who had, you know, jobs or, or full-time jobs. Job and outside the home. Totally. And you what know, I have learned. As a household manager. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and what I've learned, though, is that everybody's working. You know, if you're a mom, everybody's working. And so you're either a working mom outside the home or you're a working mom inside the home. And I think the Lord has really laid on my heart to sort of bridge that gap with moms uh, because we tend to, in groups, end up in one camp or the other, you know, like, oh, do you stay at home or do you work? As if there's, <laughs> as if there's no work involved in staying at home. And so that's something that I've definitely worked on and, and want to have more women who are working inside the home on the podcast. But one of the things you said there with just when people ask, well, how can I help or how can I support you? I think there's that tendency to do exactly what you said, and that's just shrug it off. Like, oh, I'm good. You know, thanks for asking. Really appreciate that. And I think there's something to be said for paying attention to that because that is what you're meaning when you say enrolling people in the vision and involving people in what you're doing. And that just really resonated with me. I just really love that. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, if we are really honest with ourselves – none of us are really fine. Like, right. especially right now, um, even on my best days, there's always something that I can use help with. There's sure. always one more thing that if I had another helping hand that I could delegate to, mm -hmm. there's always one more way that I could be engaged with somebody else who, and let them care for me. Mm -hmm. Um, and to accept that and, and to not think that I need to do it all my damn self because mm -hmm. that is not true. Mm hmm yeah, I am learning that, you know, as I grow uh, in the podcasting and as I grow as a health coach and I'm still working full time and all these things that I have to, and this is kind of another way to enroll people in the vision, but, you know, I have an appointment with a house cleaner for Tuesday and I would have never thought, because I grew up really poor, um, I wouldn't have thought that would have been something I would ever do. Because I would feel guilty. Like, one, I'm spending money on something that I can do. And two, I am, um, you know, like, I just, I don't know. There was a status thing there for me. Sort of like, you know, I shouldn't do that. That's just not an acceptable thing. And what I'm learning is that I'm giving someone else an opportunity, right? That's another probably working mama's side income or full-time income. And I'm supporting her business. And I never thought about it that way before, that I'm supporting her business and her vision. And by taking some 
of my financial resources and using them in that direction, I free up more time to better serve my family, my husband, my clients, my job, my faith, all of those things. And I'm still supporting another, you know, in this case, it's a a female business owner. So I've really had to challenge myself to get outside of that sort of small-minded thinking um, and look at it from from that way, you know, and that's been very freeing. I'm very excited to meet with her on Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, and that is true abundance thinking um, and true, um, that's that's true abundance thinking. Sure. Um, the other thing is you can enroll your family. So, um, if you have a husband, if you have children, if you have, uh, relatives in the area, it's okay to say, um, or, or to kind of say, um, I am struggling in this area and this is how you can support me or develop that win-win. Like you were talking about by me using my financial resources, I'm actually supporting another business owner. Mm-hmm. So what is it that, um, what is it that your spouse desires? What is it that your relative desires? What is it that your children desire and try to develop a win-win so that, you know, if you help me, do this, then I'm going to have more time to be able to play with you. Mm-hmm. Or if you mm-hmm. help me do this, then I'm going to be able to do this um, that you need. So yeah. enrollment is about really digging in to finding those win-wins, but it starts with the other person. Like you mm-hmm. already know what your needs are, mm-hmm. um, but if you can get the other person talking about what it is that they value, what it is that they're looking for, what it is that their, their needs are, then you can really do that win-win. Yeah. I think that that's such an important thing that you just said, because I feel like that there's probably a mama listening right now who is just like, I have to do it all. I have to do it all. I have to do all the things. Nobody helps me, right? We're very much, we can take that victim attitude very easily. And I have done it many times. So this is no judgment from me. Uh, we can we can just sit in that sort of victim mentality. Um, I have started doing some things exactly like what you say with the kids. Like, hey, let's come in from school and I want you to be responsible for your lunch and your backpacks and putting all that stuff away and, and all of that, and then we can spend time together, or we can walk down to the park. Does that sound good? Does that sound like something you guys would like to do? Same with my husband, you know, you want to spend more time with me, or you want to have more intimacy, or whatever it is. Let's talk about how I can feel better prepared for that, or excited for that, because I know that's important to you, and I want to honor that. Can you help me with these things? Can we partner together on this? And, you know, you're a communications expert, and so I feel like you're like, yes, that just gets down to the foundation of communication, but I feel like so many of us just struggle to have some of those conversations to just communicate the needs of our family and communicate our own needs to our family. Yes, and... uh I am, I am still learning. So, I mean, th- that took me, what, 45 years to learn. So yeah. <laughs> we're never too old to stop learning or start learning, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I just, I love that. I love all the work that you're doing and, and all of that. And one of the things I wanted to talk about um, was just like, your role as mom. And now I know your kids are older and you have a blended family and I'd love to hear 
you know, what some of your big lessons have been in that, because I think that's, you know, just another unique situation that a lot of mamas deal with, a lot of parents deal with. So are there things that you would share maybe with somebody who has just entered into a blended family situation or is in that stage of uh, even junior high or high schoolers who might be just a little bit behind you? Yeah. Um, wow. I, again, um, talking about failing and learning and growing and failing. Um, <laughs> um, so I think one of the things that um, has been really crucial in working with all of our kids is having clear, shared expectations. Mm. And um, we struggle with that sometimes because we're we are on the stricter side in our house. Sure. And so we have we have a lot of rules and expectations. And my husband is one, and um, we struggle sometimes with having too many rules all at once. Sure. And so we've had to try to kind of come up with the top ones and double down on those and make sure that they're clear. And then when those expectations are broken, that there's clear and immediate consequences that are related to the rules. Mm. And we try not to like, um, we both fall into this like lecture mode or yeah. we have in the past yeah. and we've tried really hard to um, almost follow the love. There's a program called love and logic, which we learned a lot from mm -hmm. that. Um, you kind of just say, this is like, you name the facts of what happened. You know, this was the rule. This is how you broke it. This is why um, it was important or this was the effect of you breaking it. And, and this is the natural or agreed upon consequence for that. Mm. And that works for younger kids. It works for older kids. Um, and, and again, not that we're perfect about it, but it's, we strive to do that. Sure. Um, I think one of the things that has been really good for our family is that we always ate I would say five to six times out of the week, we had family dinners mm -hmm. um, that everybody sat down. Yep. And sometimes we had to have them at eight o'clock at night when after practices and running around were done. Um, sometimes we were able to have them early, but we always sat down and ate together at the mm -hmm. table, no phones, no yep. TV. Yep. Um, and we interacted with each other. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there was times when I tried to make that more structured and to be honest, it was never successful, sure. but, um, we just were together. Um, we also have a Sunday breakfast together. Okay. Um, most, most Sundays. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that have just kind of created the heartbeat in our family. Mm -hmm. It was actually really cool because over COVID, uh, we had four of the five kids um, with us for the first six months. Wow. And um, they were reminiscing about being littler. And one of the things that I used to do when I was tearing my hair out, trying to get dinner on the table with five kids running around was we had this um, like rug with a pattern of circles and different colors. Uh -huh. And 
one night in desperation, I just made up this, like, I made up a game and said, okay, so everybody sit on a blue circle. Everybody sit on a spot with a white thing. Everybody, you know, switch. So it was almost like, um, what was that old thing with the dots and the Twister. spinner? It was almost like Twister, my own weird version of Twister. <laughs> but it was like in a moment of desperation and I'm going to lose my, my mind if I don't do something to settle mm-hmm. these kids down. And wouldn't you know it when they were together and, you know, my oldest is 24 and one's in college and, you know, two are just turned 21. And they were like, one of our favorite memories was this game that we played. That is hilarious. (laughs) That is hilarious. I think there's such, that's, that's just so good though. And I just hear the joy as you're laughing, remembering that because in those moments, in those really hard moments as moms, we can just feel like we are just failing. You're like, I'm literally oh. telling my kids to run around on a rug and sit on a different color. And I'm trying to get dinner, and it's probably not going to taste very good because I'm super distracted and all the things. And those are those little moments that yeah, your kid, yeah, they matter. And we don't have to get so like wound up into, I have to do this perfectly because you can't. You just can't do it perfectly, and that's the beauty of it. I, um, for the past year and a half, have really been working on finding joy in my children because yes. in my household, we were all homeschooled. There was a lot of rules, um, and my dad worked full-time, owned his own business. My mom was a stay-at-home mom who had four kids, one who was special needs with Down syndrome, and there was just a lot. And, and, and so, you know, I didn't feel a lot of joy in a lot of those moments. And so I have just been praying, Lord, just give me joy. Can you just give me joy for my children? And instead of getting so bound up in the little things that would used to drive this type A Enneagram one personality crazy, I have tried to just take a breath and let it go and just enjoy those little moments of joy or the laughter or the fact that we just fell and slipped in the floor or I dumped my waffle batter mix all over the kitchen, whatever it is, right? Like it's going to be okay. And in 15 years from now, the circle carpet situation is going to bring you the joy that you just shared with us. I love that. That's right. That's right. And not that you need to live, I mean, live for the moment and also, um, don't just like, don't just live for the future either. Like I used to get so upset when my stepkids were, um, be rejecting me or not Mm. responding to me. And, um, my husband who, was a product of divorce and both of his parents were remarried, um, would say, Oh, well, when they're 20, they'll, they'll really come around or they'll Mm. tell you how much you meant to them when they're 20. And I'm like, that, that's not like, that's not enough for me. Um, I, I need to create what I need to create right now Mm -hmm. and not just be living for the future. So Yes, I think it's important to be thinking about the the broader term, but I think I think we also need to be focused into the present moment mm-hmm. and um, think about what's giving us joy also now. Mm-hmm. Um, what what ways can we be expressing love now? Yeah. What, what what ways can be we can we be expressing our our needs, our emotions, our humanness to our children now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's one of my regrets looking back is that I didn't do a great job of 
um, being, I, I was always very loving, but I, I didn't do a good job about sharing when I was frustrated, when mm. I was angry, when I was upset, when I was disappointed, when, when I was hurt, mm-hmm. um, to, to my children, to my family, um, and, and sharing that side of me. And, and unfortunately then a lot of that came because I was repressing all of that. Yeah. A lot of that came out in, in anger. Yep. I relate, I relate so much to that, um, Uh that anger was an acceptable emotion in my house. And so growing up, and so I learned in premarital counseling that when I was hurt, uh, by my husband, my feelings were hurt, or I was disappointed that the emotion that I was able to share was anger. And, Mm -hmm. um, that was, I remember that session, like it was yesterday because it was like a light bulb went off. Like, why am I so mad? Well, I'm not really mad. I'm hurt or I'm disappointed or I'm frustrated, but I never knew how to communicate that stuff in a healthy way. So it would just come out as mad and still the tendency is still there, right? Because the neuro pathway is there. And so, um, it's still, it's still very much something that I have to be intentional about, you know, Brene Brown's says, don't be worried. And she's talking to parents. Don't be worried about the time you don't spend with your children. Just be intentional in the little moments that you have. Um, and, and I think that's just so good when you're talking about being in the moment, just be in the moment. Don't worry about the moments you have to miss because of work or whatever, but in the moment when you're there, just be there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And be present and be a hundred percent you. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, um, um, just Glennon Doyle's book was so, um, good in talking about being authentic and conveying that to your children. Mm. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Um, (laughs) it's just been absolutely great. Um, I always like to ask, you know, if there's any, advice that you have for mamas out there or, you know, a good piece of advice that's been given to you that you feel, um, has really been a a good directive for you or any just last thoughts, um, that you would like to leave listeners with. Um, so one piece of advice that I would give is, um, make time for yourself. Mm. Uh, you don't, No one else will do that for you. And if you pour, continue to pour yourself into everything else, your, your work, your, your spouse, your children, your obligations, your to-do list, your home, whatever it is, and you continue to put them ahead of you, you're going to run out and you will disappear. Yep. And even if it's just five minutes and and start with five minutes, but find stillness where you can really start listening to yourself and your needs and your desires and your inner voice so that you can serve you because you can't effectively serve others unless you or fill yourself. Yep. Yep. And it's so easy to say, you know, the whole pour from a full pitcher. And and I used to be that mom who said, there is absolutely nothing else I can add to my plate right now. 
There is absolutely not another ball that I can juggle. Um, And it's why I put off my health journey for so long or why I failed at it multiple times because I wasn't able to see that. And I actually had another interview actually with, with another lady and she shared this. She was like, you don't have to juggle all the balls at the same time. Put one down and pick up another one and then put one down and pick up another one. And she used, it was actually Amber Houston. She used this terminology that she was like, I focus less on balance and more on boundaries. And I move uh-huh. from one thing to the next. And I don't try to do it all at the same time. And I've, I've been reminded by that at another interview with a, with a working mom who started her own business. Again, uh, kind of like you in this kind of pandemic craziness. And she said, you know, we can do it all. But we can't do it all at the same time. And just uh-huh. those little nuggets, you know, I think are so good. You have got to find some time to take care of yourself and it will, I promise you, make it easier for you to do the other things. It, but it has to come first. It has to come first. Uh, Kelly, this has just been so great. Um, if people want to follow you or they want to learn more about your retreat center, uh, where would they find you? Sure. Um, so my website is experience soulcare.com. And uh, you can, you know, friend me on um, I'm, the businesses on Facebook and Instagram. Um, I believe on Facebook, it's Soul Care Experience. Um, on Instagram, it's, uh, I believe it's Soul Care underscore experience. Um, you can also follow me personally. I'm, I'm always, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Facebook junkie. So uh, feel free to send me a DM. Um, and to connect, um, if you're an Alpha Sigma Alpha, I'd love to hear from you. Um, and if you're in Illinois, in East Central Illinois, I'd love to have you come by uh, and visit the center. Um, we're in Urbana. And uh, yeah, I, I would just love to connect with anybody in your audience. Love it. I love it. Well, thank you so much for spending part of your busy Saturday with me. Sure thing. It's just been so great to talk with you and and to share this. And it, it's always wonderful to have these um, conversations that we don't often initiate. So, Absolutely. Um, I encourage you to talk with your friends about these topics and and just delve deep into your true authentic life. Absolutely. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Really good stuff, you know? As much as we all try as moms to put ourselves first and work on mental health and physical health and all the things and pursue dreams and figure it all out, it's just so hard to make time for ourselves. And so I hope you were affirmed today in doing that, figuring out just starting with five minutes. Just start with five minutes. Don't feel overwhelmed by having to start this whole self-care journey with some extreme plan, little baby steps will add up over time and I promise you it will change your life. So I hope today was encouraging. I hope that you're having an awesome day, night, weekend, morning, whenever you get a chance to listen. And I hope the podcast is just encouraging for you that you are not alone in this journey of motherhood um, and that we are all here supporting you. So as always, thanks for joining me for today's episode 
of the Memoirs from the Minivan podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. And if you would share this or leave a review or like it so that we can get out there for other mamas to find us, that would be great. Talk to you soon.